So a lot of times people will get 50, 100, 200, 500 responses, and that's a lot to read through and uh, even more to analyze yourself. So the AI is quite good at summarizing the kind of the key findings and, and then presenting it. Welcome to the 10K Collective podcast for six, seven and eight figure Amazon and e-commerce sellers, part of the amazing FBA podcast family. If you want to scale fast, target a seven-figure exit, and enjoy the process, then keep listening. Many Amazon sellers think business growth is the same as sales growth. But if you're smarter, you know E-commerce businesses are sold as a multiple of profits, not of sales. So if you want to build a sellable business, you need to grow profits. And to grow profits, you need to cut waste and increase profitable sales. Our new quick assessment helps you identify your biggest Amazon profit killer and what to do about it. Go to AmazonProfitQuiz.com. That's AmazonProfitQuiz.com to get your free instant diagnosis. If you would like resources and links and other help to do with today's episode, just go to amazingfba.com forward slash 452. Ladles and jelly beans, boys and girls, welcome back to the 10K Collective Podcast for six and seven figure Amazon sellers, a subset of the amazing FBA family of podcasts for Amazon sellers in general. We're kind of focused on UK sellers, but if you're based in the US or any of the countries that where people listen to us, Germany, Canada, you're welcome because today's going to apply to you pretty much wherever you are, I think. We are talking today to Justin Chen, the co-founder of PicFu, which is a digital focus group, a very useful bit of software that I personally used a number of times and recommend. So when the guys got in touch, I thought this is a perfect person to have on the show. So Justin, welcome to the show, first of all. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me, Michael. So first of all, digital focus group, that sounds a bit vague. So what does PicFu do? Tell us in a bit of a better way. What, what yeah, that? so think of it as a way to get consumer feedback on anything that you're working on. So when we first built it, we were trying to go into coffee shops and get feedback in, from people. And so you, you could think of it as that kind of thing. Like maybe you're working on a new logo or maybe a new product design. You're like, I need to get actual people to give me feedback on this. And so the easiest way to do it is, is with PicFu, we'll go out and we'll find people and we'll pay them to, to give responses. So whether they like your option A or option B, and they'll give you a little written feedback about them, about why they made that choice, and then also demographic information, so you know a little bit about themselves. So yeah, kind of like a micro survey, super easy to use. We're trying to bring market re enterprise market research down to SMBs, so small and medium businesses that didn't traditionally have access to these kinds of tools. Okay, so it's basically a survey tool, would you say? Is that yes. the first summary? Okay. Yeah. And, and tell us <laughs> yeah. I mean, it sounds a bit bad. So I mean, obviously, I, having used it, I know it's a bit more sophisticated. So how does it compare yeah. to something like SurveyMonkey was one that's been around for years and years, I guess they're still around. So how does it compare to something like that? Yeah, so there's, when you think about gathering consumer feedback or market research, there's kind of this whole suite of things that you need to do. One of the things is using a survey tool like a SurveyMonkey. The other thing is finding the panel, the, the respondents to actually do the feedback. The other thing is, kind of filtering through data quality, making sure that you're hitting the people that you want to hit, and then analyzing the results. And so what we're trying to do with PicFu is tie all of that together and then simplify it so that you're not spending 
you know, thousands of dollars with a market research consultant trying to, you know, construct like the perfect survey monkey, 20 question, 50 question survey, then have them like sift through the data quality and then do all this analysis for you. So what the experience that we have here at PicFu is you pop on, you ask a single question. So it could just be, which product would you buy on Amazon? We'll go out, we'll find the people. We, we built our own layer of data quality and demographic targeting on top, on top of all the existing market research panels. And we'll pull all that in. We'll make sure the people who are answering are doing it earnestly. And then we'll do analysis on those results for you, present it in a very easy to use way. So we're trying to simplify that entire process and make it so that you're, you're not having analysis paralysis when you're going to do the, the research. Yeah. And the, now you break down, the more I think about it, the more I realize, you know, why it's hard because obviously can and market research traditionally for Amazon sellers means a bunch of keyword research, which God knows is, is confusing enough. You end up with spreadsheet and or sure. equivalent spreadsheet craziness, but at least it's all prepackaged in helium 10 or survey, you know, jungle scout or whoever you're using. But what yeah. you're talking about is, you know, finding the right people, having a survey tool, making sense of the data. And, and I guess yes. you're just prepackaging that, which makes sense because otherwise you're just going to die by analysis and never do anything. And yeah, that's one of the biggest things that I see. I've fallen into myself and, and certainly clients and early stage clients particularly just get absolutely paralyzed by all the possibilities. And I can totally understand yeah. why. So, yeah. so how did you get into this sense? It's not a very obvious thing to be yeah. doing for Amazon sellers. I guess, you know, like listing optimization is an obvious thing and this is a little bit different. How did you get into this? Yeah. And so actually when we built the, built the tool, it actually wasn't for e-commerce. We're actually not sellers ourselves. So my co-founder, John, and I were building a completely different web-based business. We were building a, a website and we were working on a redesign for it. And so the two of us couldn't decide on which redesigned approach you wanted to go with. So being engineers, we decided to build the tool to, to gather feedback. There, were, there was a lot of talk, you know, there's like 10 years, over 10 years ago about like just lean startups and like getting out of, getting out of your office, going and talking to the people at coffee shops, like how can you validate your ideas and your and your decisions early on and so this is this is where it came from and so we built a prototype of it we put a paypal button on it we threw it up on the internet opened it up to other other entrepreneurs and that's kind of where it, it started we left it there for a while as we worked on our other business but over the years it, it kind of started gaining traction in a lot of different industries for example self-publishing authors a lot of them also selling on amazon nowadays using it to test book titles and book covers because if you think about it's a great way to test anything that you can't test live, right? So like you're going to publish a book, you're going to print a lot of books or something like that. You want to make sure that you have the best version. Tim Ferriss, I think, kind of popularized this for, for authors where he talked about testing the four hour work week title using Google ads. And so people wanted to kind of replicate that data driven decision making process. And that's where PicFu fit in for authors. And so where e-commerce found us was, I think it was back in 2019 or so. I think Kevin King first mentioned it at the Global Sources conference, and then Manny mentioned it on the AMPM podcast, and that's kind of where we started seeing an uptick of of Amazon sellers using it to do main image optimization. Because, you know, as you know, like just getting a higher click through rate from the search results is is a big deal for Amazon sellers. So that's kind of where we got our start in e commerce. And obviously, as we learned more about the space, we kind of leaned more into marketing to that particular industry segment, building tailoring the product a little bit more. And then just really trying to understand all the different ways that consumer research could help in that e-commerce space. 
Right. And yes, Kevin, somebody we've had on the show a few times. I remember speaking to him in 2016 and I just kind of stopped him because my wife was saying, we've got to have some dinner. I, it was just, it was just spitting out value. I mean, he's mad yeah. for, for uh, you know, apart from understanding the space, he's one of the big names who I really respect. Quite a lot of people are just good at publicizing themselves. I think he was one of those people that had to be persuaded by Manny to, to actually go and coach. Cause I remember speaking to him off air saying, you really should coach the stuff. And he's like, nah, I'm making plenty of money from Amazon. Yeah. But he's very good at picking up particular tools. And what I like about his approach and what you've obviously found your users doing is, is using a tool which wasn't necessarily intended for approach, but in an intelligent way. Cause I yes. guess, you know, the tools do not substitute for intelligence as anyone like me and like any of my clients, you know, on a bad day, you use Helium 10 and you just use it to overwhelm yourself. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> So we're talking today, I mean, you say it was being used for main image optimization and that's yeah. great. And that's an obvious thing to do. And I guess that's fairly, well, it sounds obvious, but, um, we, we, you know, that's a, a powerful, but not as powerful use case as what we're talking about today, which is product validation. So that's right. first of all, what do you mean by product validation? And then we'll get into how we use tools to. Yeah. Yeah. So in my definition, I, I think it's just ensuring that your product is going to resonate with your target market. Obviously, earlier in the as early in the process as you can, and it's it's interesting because, like you were saying, the tools are only as good as how you're going to use them. And I think you know the main image optimization was kind of the most obvious way when they saw Pixel. It's like, oh, okay, split test two images, like that makes sense. What ended up happening actually is a lot of those e-commerce sellers came and they ran those tests, and the feedback that they got wasn't necessarily about the main main image. It was actually about the product, and it was like, oh, this product sucks. Oh, the, the branding is horrible. The packaging is atrocious. Like, and that's not the feedback you were looking for. You were just trying to change like your main image layout, right? Then the light bulb goes off and, oh, shoot, I should have been using this earlier when I was designing my product or validating my product because now I've got a bunch of crap that's sitting on the shelf. And so usually what happens is when they're working on their next product line or they're going to rebrand or relaunch this product, then they start using it for, for product validation. And yeah. And so. When we see people doing product validation on PicFu, it it comes in a lot of different forms. You don't always have to test two things against each other. It it could be an open ended survey, like, "Hey, you're a mom, and you if you have this problem, would you be interested in this kind of solution?" And it could literally just be a body of text where you're describing like some new bag that you're creating or something like that, and you can just get open ended feedback. Just like if you're in a coffee shop and you were to go and ask a bunch of moms, like, "Do you have this problem, and would you buy this product?" As you keep iterating on that concept, maybe you've got a 3D render, maybe you're working with a a manufacturer and they're giving you some options. You can continue to test those hypothetical things and they don't have to look, you know, like their actual products. We see people doing like napkin sketches or just like, you know, very, very basic renders. And so there's a lot of ways that you can get feedback very early on in the process. Right. So I think that a couple of important things to point out that I guess what people are looking for is feedback at the marketing stage. I've got a product. How do I sell it? And they were thinking, yeah. I want to answer the question, how do I sell this? And people were saying, don't sell this. It's bad. Yeah, implies yeah exactly. You need to think, you know, get feedback much earlier in the process. So I think there are a couple of things that I just wanted to chuck in there, which is sure. for people to think about, which is, I mean, again, it serves you because reasons to use PickFu or anything like that doesn't have to be PickFu. This is kind of a, a an example and a very useful yep. tool, but just one. And number one, changes early in any process are easy and cheap. Changes yes. late are hard and expensive. So if you're developing software and you go back, you, you guys are software engineers, I've not done yep. that, but I do know from friends who've done it, they create something, they put it out there and the public goes exactly what you said. Oh no, this is horrible. I want it to do a different thing. 
you have to go back and rewrite the spec, rewrite the code, and it's highly yes. expensive and horrible. Whereas if you put an idea out to a bunch of people and they all say, that sounds amazing, then you have a good reason to go further with it. And I, I would just say, again, it's not about the tools. It's about the structure of how you use the tools. I yep. think that's what I'm trying to get across more and more of my thinking, training, coaching these days is about pretty simple things, but the order and sequence you do them is really critical. So getting feedback early means you don't do really expensive, difficult things like ordering a thousand units or something only to discover right. everyone thinks it sucks. <laughs> I think it's really yeah, I mean, and, there, and there's a lot of other ways to do this kind of validation. For example, if you were targeting moms, like you yeah. could find mom Facebook groups or, or whatever it is, you could participate in those communities. You could ask those hypothetical questions out in public and, and get their feedback. You could, you could buy ads, you know, Facebook ads targeted to a landing page that gathers interest, even if you don't have the product yet, right? Like that's a, that's a very classic way of doing like a lean, lean validation in the tech world is. Set up a landing page. It may not go anywhere. You're maybe you're just collecting, collecting email addresses and you say like, cool. Well, the product's not ready yet. Like we'll get back to you when it is. Or maybe even try to, you know, collect prepayments or something like that. I mean, even crowdsource funding is an interesting way to do product validation as well, right? Like you're, you haven't quite made it yet, but you're putting it out there. You're getting the, the community feedback and you're, you're collecting money up front to, you know, to show that there actually is validation for or interest in your product. Absolutely. We've had a guest on, again, talking about crowdsourcing and, and people see yeah. it in different ways. I think a lot of the people think of it as a solution to a desperate problem, which is you know, money or validation. I, I think what's really important is that somebody at a slightly stronger level than PickFu, but you got to promise to make it. So you're more all committed yeah. then, but it's a similar yes. idea, which is like they're willing to pay actual money for it. Okay. But there's some yep. kind of feedback that somebody wants the product you're creating. And I think that's actually the thing that matters. People are so busy trying to make money or market stuff, you know, that they don't think about whether actually this is going to go anywhere. If you don't create something people want, then you're starting from a really difficult position and, and it's sure. not likely to succeed. So I think like the simple question of do people want this uh, at, and asking that question again and again at different stages mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. is really critical. And PickFu is wonderful because in my opinion, you don't have to go and do a whole crowd raising, crowd fundraising yes. thing was a huge amount of effort to discover, oh, actually people don't want this. Well, you could have found that out quicker by just putting up three pictures and people go, no, no, oh, I quite like that one. And then go back to 99 designs, get somebody else to produce a nicer picture or wherever you get it from. And then put, you know, iterate just on a graphic design, which is super cheap and easy. And you can get it off Fiverr, frankly, right? So yeah. iterating at the, t the stage where it's incredibly cheap and easy in my book is just a fantastic thing to do. So I'm, I love this. Just conceptually, and PickFu is a great tool for that. So we also talk about PickFu. Those, having said that, I guess look, we've already talked about crowdsourcing the funding and Facebook ads, or you know, other things. I mean, when would you use PickFu in the mix? I, I guess those other things sound a little bit intimidating. So, so where would you put PickFu in in a sort of run of things where you're trying to fine tune your product to market and say, is there actually a market for a product before we go and make a load of them? Yeah. So you know, we've been talking to a lot of our 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 best customers lately. And kind of the process that we see PickFu being used in this product validation process is obviously they'll use a lot of the tools like Helium 10 or some of these analytics to try to determine like what category they want to go into. But where they use PickFu is actually this, uh, gauging whether or not their product offering that they're going to go to, they think that they're going to go to market with in that space is going to compete well with their competition, right? So Maybe you decide you want to go into infusion teapots or something like that because you think the, 
you know, the numbers look good. Like, you know, like there's, there's space for more or whatever it is, but you need to differentiate. So, you know, maybe you work with a manufacturer that, you know, or you come up with some 3d renders, you create the main image. So this is going to take a little bit of legwork, but you create a main image and you put it up in a pick food test against like your top two to three competitors in that category. You put it up potentially with the hypothetical title and the price that you're going to go to market with. And you see, are you going to make a dent just based off all those components that you can control, right? So, and you don't even necessarily have to win it, right? Because if there's some guy who's just really good and he's super cheap and the highest reviews, but if you're able to dent it, right? Maybe you're taking like 20, 30% of it. Like that's still pretty good, right? I, I don't think you, I think one, one thing is, I don't think you always have to win when you're doing a competitive test, right? When, when you're talking about your image versus like your competition, like obviously you're going for the win, but if, if you're taking a meaningful dent or you're improving your standing, that's still pretty good. So anyways, that's, that's typically how we hear our customers are, are more prolific customers using PickFu in their validation process. And so they'll do a little bit of this legwork up front to, to create this hypothetical main image. But then if it doesn't do well, they just move on to the next one. And they've sa- saved themselves tens of thousands of dollars of yeah. going down this whole rabbit hole of this entire product launch that probably wasn't going to do well. Yeah, because I mean, that the whole, I guess, the, I can't remember who said it, but one of the big start, Y Combinator startup yeah. founders or something said, there's before product market fit and there's after, right? So it's so huge. And we're all scared and worried, and rightly, I think, in a sense, that we haven't got that. And yet we're making stuff and like we have that fear. And there's that dance between having some confidence and being willing yeah. to take a risk that you think you know something despite incomplete data versus, you know, just, you know, and, and then the opposite extreme, like you, you never do anything because you have to have 100% data. Yeah. This is a nice, it is a dance, isn't it? But I think this helps give you some confidence exactly. and some feedback and some, some and again, if you're willing to generate 50 product ideas and only do one, if you test 50 on pick food compared to ordering even a, even a tiny <laughs> sample, it's so cheap, so quick, so unstressful. Yes. I mean, making a 3D render sounds like, you know, a bit of stress to you then you, you haven't ordered product from China or from that matter anywhere else. <laughs> Anyone listening who's ordered from China will know, like, yeah. no, no way. The, the That's going to be the easier thing to do. Yeah. Yes. Getting a 3D render done by some guy on Fiverr or, you know, even if you have to work with somebody until you kiss a couple of frogs and find the prints, you know, as it were. But yeah. that's interesting. So, so you're obviously very big on image split testing. And I guess if people have heard of PicFu, like me, that's what they tend to think of sure. it as. But why is image split testing particularly powerful rather than just surveying people? You mentioned an open-ended survey. Let me ask a better question. At what points would you use an open-ended survey? And at what, what end would you use image split testing and why? Yeah, well, I think the image split testing is particularly important because Amazon is a marketplace. And so we see a lot of usage in all of our customer segments when they're competing in the marketplace. So whether that's Amazon or Walmart or Etsy, a lot of times people aren't searching by brand, they're searching by like the actual general product name, right? Sneakers or teapots or whatever it is. And this actually applies to other things. Like we have a lot of gaming companies and you're searching for a solitaire app. You may not care like which solitaire app, there's probably 20, 30 different solitaire apps in there. And you need to differentiate by the, you know, the app icon or the title, all this kind of stuff. So anywhere where it's a marketplace, I think that's just why image split testing is particularly important. Whether you're testing image variations, your own variations, just to get the best one that you're working on or testing yours against your competition, which is what you need to be doing to make sure that 
Yeah. You know, it doesn't help if you just create the best one of your own. If it doesn't yeah. do well, it gets everyone else, right? And, and I really want to bang people over the head with what you just said, because I think it's so important. And it's so easy to become self-referential in your business. Yes. For example, I can like I I've got to remember the masterminds that I've had a few moments of the masterminds I've had over the years that, you know, doing good numbers and they're often yeah, several generations in from the business. So it's in their blood, mm-hmm. their parents did it, their grandparents mm-hmm. did it in some mm-hmm. cases. And yet they fall into the trap of saying, my sales are lower year on year than last year or lower than last month or whatever. And that's a self-referential thing. And it's easy to do and you've got the access to your numbers and you don't have access to your profit and loss mm-hmm. for your competition. Or at least, by the way, caveat, if you work in the UK, then you can get a lot of information from companies oh. just saying you really should be doing that. But anyway, most people don't think outside that box. But as soon as you're willing to say that that um, buyers have kind of no memory, that's not strictly true, yeah. but the way they behave on Amazon, it's like they have, me included, right? We go on Amazon, yeah. don't care what happened last month. Last year is a distant memory. Three years ago is like, well, I don't even know what that means. And you just go, I put my keyword in, I'm looking at the prices, the images, the stars, and yeah. rates, you know, the average rating and the titles to some degree. And I'm just scroll, 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 click, click, click. That's how I buy, even though I work in e-commerce. And I think yep. that if we're willing to be brutally honest from the very beginning of the process about comparing our stuff with other people's stuff, not our own ideas, then we have a fighting chance of connecting with reality. And, and I know you've said that, but I just want to bang it home because I see different behaviors, even though theoretically this is intellectually very easy. Yeah, That's a very different behaviors. I mean, why do you think that is? Because you're obviously a person that works with the entrepreneurs who do do that but do you find that entrepreneurs fall into the trap of comparing their own stuff more than with other people's yeah yeah i mean i I think there's there's more comfort in it i mean i think there's the hard truth of when you when you compare against a competition then you're going to hear a lot of things that that you don't like obviously especially when you're losing and a lot of times like if you're coming to us like (laughs) it's probably because like things aren't going well and and you're trying to understand why and so i think there's just that and that's part of the why Part of the reason we built PicFu actually, right, was to get out of our own heads. Part of the reason was we were asking our own friends and family for advice for a really long time, as any entrepreneur does. And then you're going to start to realize that, first of all, they, they're tired of giving you advice. And then the advice they give is not really very good, right? A lot of times they're like, oh, well, you're smart. You're going to figure it out. Like, whatever you choose is going to be best. And you just start getting this echo chamber. And so we built this to get out of our own echo chamber. And we, I mean, obviously... We pick through a lot of things ourselves as we're working on design and, you know, marketing copy and all that kind of stuff. And so we just advise our customers to do, you got to suck it up and you, you have to accept that people are going to be brutally honest and, and give you the feedback that you may not want to hear, but you do need to hear. Yeah. I think it's just, it's a comfort zone thing. Yeah. So I guess what you're saying, if I can summarize it, is you're, you're brave enough to seek feedback, actually That's genuine right. feedback, not validation. And, and yeah. I think. I think it's very important to be clear. I mean, sometimes you need yep. people to give you validation. And I think that can be important. We all have an ego that can get quite fragile and you've got to have sure. confidence as an entrepreneur. And again, it's this dance, isn't it? So yes. on the other hand, like the 10K collective is sometimes, as I sort of jokingly say, oh, you had a 10K kicking today because sometimes the feedback is, it's not aggressive. I mean, if it gets that way, I'll intervene. But I, I, it's very rare that it's like that. But sometimes it's it's quite direct. I'm like, yeah, you really just need to sell that product through and, and don't do all this complicated stuff. And yep. my goodness, that's where they're getting value, but it's it's not easy to hear. And I remember the first time I did some business coaching and I said something similar to somebody that it was a married couple and, and the lady just burst into tears and walked out of the room and I thought, what have I done? But the thing is, she got emotionally attached to the success of the yeah. product, wasn't willing to look at this, <clears throat> you know, direct market feedback, which is from, you know, from the numbers. 
people don't really want to buy this in large amounts at a high price, which was, you know, just a fact really. And so there you go. So it comes down to there's some emotional kind of fitness that comes sure. with this as well. So look, we, we talked about, <laughs> we bang people over the head with that, but I just, I see it so often. I just wanted to make that point. So assuming then that the, the public looks like it actually will like your product, or if you have an existing product, I guess that you can start testing your own images against each other. And of course, and there's the idea of product variations, right? You might have a product that's, that's doing right. well in white and you might want to consider different colors. I mean, how do yep. you go about doing that kind of stuff? How do you make use of pick through in a situation like that? If you would like resources and links and other help to do with today's episode, just go to amazingfba.com forward slash 452. Yeah. And so th that's just another place that you would do image split testing. Or the, I, I, to go back to the question that I don't think I answered around the open-ended, you could even do an open-ended test around just asking people, right? Just to source like, hey, if you're going to buy an umbrella, what color would you want to buy? And just kind of like, all right, well, let me just hear what people are saying. Then maybe you're going to go create a few of those, you know, 3D renders or different color variations with your manufacturer. Then you're going to test them, right? You've got five to eight different color variations, and then you want to see where the breakdown is. And, and from that, you might decide, oh, I only need to do blue umbrellas or maybe 50%, 25-25 of, of some combination of colors. And so uh, that's kind of two different ways that you could do using an open-ended and then using the kind of like traditional image split testing to, to actually understand like how it breaks down. That makes a huge amount of sense. And, and using something like PicFree, can you just put in an open-ended question and it will sort of lump together the answers in that a lot of people say purple or blue or whatever it is? Yeah, so we'll, we have a couple of different ways to do that. So we, there is a lot of written feedback that can be difficult to sift through. We have some like, word clustering built into our poll results that you can use. And we also, we also just launched something called AI Highlights, which uses AI to summarize the results. So a lot of times people will get 50, 100, 200, 500 responses, and that's a lot to read through and uh, even more to analyze yourself. So the AI is quite good at summarizing the kind of the key findings and, and then presenting it, you know, in a nice three paragraph format. And then we also kind of cluster like likes and dislikes. And so we, we have all that AI generated. And so that's a nice way to kind of analyze the results instead of like manually doing it yourself. Yeah. And that's a nice dance. Again, another dance of the modern world. When I say modern, I mean like since really chat GPT came out, but it's, <laughs> it's, it's between, like a couple months. <laughs> yeah. It's just like there's before and after, right? It's a big, big moment. But so between AI and using artificial thinking, if you like you yep. and your concepts, and then the public out there who might one day buy the stuff. And I, I really like this awkward and yet vital dance between these different things. If you just hand stuff over to chat GPT and say, write me a product listing, it'll do it, but it'll be based on a, an average of everything out there, which means it's going right. to be pretty mediocre. It won't be terrible. It won't be great. Yeah. And the same is true. If you just go to a bunch of your friends and say, do you like my stuff? They're your good friends. They'll say. Yeah, Mike, it's lovely. Well done. You know, you're going to be great, but that doesn't mean anything. And then if you just, if you don't come up with any imagination and you just follow randomly what other people say, you're going to be drawn from what, and I see this a lot in the early stages. If you have no kind of mission or imagination of where you could go, you, you bang from one idea to another and you have 55 different product ideas mm -hmm. a month, mm -hmm. which drives you nuts. So what I really like is, is that, that middle path that you're, you're kind of, we're ending yeah. up with here. So. The other thing we ought to talk about is any other uses of split testing images. And I guess, again, it's a relatively simple tool. How else can we use it in e-commerce to, to validate products or yeah. any related things? Yeah. You know, bundles, things like that. So like, that's an interesting way if you're trying to figure out like pricing, 
maybe you're trying to sell Tupperware containers or something like that. And do you do one at this price or three at this price? Like that's a really interesting variation of offering that is, that's good for, for pick food testing. Again, it doesn't have to be images either. It could be copy. So we actually have a lot of people testing marketing copy or your descriptions, just, you know, comparing different wording options. We'll even see people comparing bullets, right? So maybe, maybe you have eight different things that you are thinking are important about your product, but you, it's hard to emphasize eight things on, on a listing or in your images. So you could ask them to rank it. So like, Hey, if you're buying a teapot, like what are the top eight features? And you may, you list them out and then you have people rank them and then you have a better sense of like what's important to them. That's so important. And by the way, again, I can think of it just a very straightforward sort of bouncing between your understanding of a product, AI creating some copy for you, you whack it up on ThickFoo, a bunch of actual real humans who are the people who actually vote on stuff and therefore yes. their opinion matters because they're the ones who buy stuff. Computers yeah. haven't been given credit cards yet as far as I know. I mean, who yeah. knows what happens next? So yeah, I, again, you know, I can see a very straightforward path and like you get ChatGPT to come up with five different variations of copy, you whack them up on PickFood, yep, yep. you get a bunch of feedback and then you go back and you go, right, well, this is how we're going to do it. And then, um, now let's, let's summarize this. And so you can expand and contract things very easily with AI writing tools, right? They're very good yes. at that. But what you're getting again and again and again is checking with reality as in people's opinions. Yep. And I really love that. And I, I think why it's so important. Again, just to emphasize this, and it's business to business, business to consumer, not business to business. Um, consumers have this wacky notion of, of how life should work that doesn't necessarily have any logic behind it. And I'm this damn same. Like, why am I buying a computer in black instead of green or blue? Mm. Who knows? I don't even know myself. But yeah. if you can find out what the answer is, you don't need to tie yourself in knots trying to guess. You just go, well, I don't know why everyone wants this product in blue, but they seem to. So let's go and create it in blue and see if it actually sells. And and then you could even do a, you want to be complicated about it, I guess, do a crowdfunding. And then, you know, you really got some validation because they've actually given you money. Sure. But yep. the point is this, we cannot logically determine direct to consumer, you know, consumer type behavior in my That's experience, right. right? And whereas, you know, business to business, you can tell most businesses are driven by some similar things. Like if they're rationally driven, they want to make profit, yeah. they want to make return on yeah, investment. Yeah, more practical. Yeah. And it's easier to sell the business. In the end, what you're selling is all oh, my old business coaches say money at a discount. And if you can wrap it up in some form and link your product to that, you can, you know, get some idea that there might be some traction there. Whereas we just don't know why, you know, tickle me other dolls took off like crazy, whereas yeah. some other doll that was extremely similar didn't. So there you go. So it's, as soon as we, as, as if we can get that irrational yet critical feedback into the loop as early yeah. as possible, I'm, I'm so in favor of this. I mean, the more experience to get in this industry, the more I feel like this is the way to go. Absolutely the way awesome. to go. So I, you just making me think like I'm li literally today was thinking about how to choose some topics for a book and, you know, I mm. should know better because I've used Pickford in the past, but like, you just made me think, hell, I could go back to some of my audience and just run a Pickford survey and see which of these topics would be best. And you know what, that will yeah. stop me going around in circles for the next five weeks trying to guess. So it, once again, you know, the practicality of this is just so immense. I love it. So tell us how we can use PickFu ourselves. So I, I think you've got an offer for us as well, which is always nice. So tell us more about PickFu and how do we use Yeah, so it's, it's completely self-serve. You can go to PickFu.com. You can sign up for an account for free. You can use the coupon AmazingFBA for 50% off your first poll. And so there's never any subscription that you need. You can, you can just run a poll and you get value from it. If you're done, that's cool. 
But if you want to come back and keep using it and you find yourself using it a lot, we do have subscription plans and prepaid credits and all that kind of stuff, but very easy to use. We have a great customer success team that is happy to do a live chat or like a Zoom call to strategize on the best way to, a lot of times people are uncertain about like the questions that they should ask, like, oh, should I phrase it like this? Or especially if English is not their native language. So don't hesitate to let us know if you have any questions and we can remove some of that uncertainty before you start your poll. Good. So that brings it to another question, which is, is it English language only or how has worked with language side of things like copywriting, et cetera? So U.S. respondents right now, or we've been traditional U.S. respondents in, and English. And so but we recently launched international panels. So you can actually do UK, Canada, Australia, and Germany, and we'll handle the translation of, of your language into whatever the target audience's language is. So you could you could even write the, the, the question in Chinese. And if you're doing U.S. respondents, like we'll translate it into English and we'll translate the, re the responses back to, to Chinese as well. And so, and then the app itself, I think is localized into Chinese and Russian, and we're looking to add Spanish as well. So I'm just trying to make it more accessible to, to a global audience. Chinese and Russian, although that, I guess for American listeners, there's maybe quite awkward places to try to sell to anyway now for, for geopolitical reasons, but we'll see when, when this comes out, what the world is looking like. Yeah. Well, we are indeed going to talk about that in a separate episode using this thing for international expansion. So the fact that it's available in different languages, and of course, as you critically pointed out, it can handle the target like audience language and translate the meaning back into your own language. Otherwise, it's yeah. not going to be very meaningful. It is great. We'll dig deeper into that. But for the moment, I just want to say thank you for taking us through yet another example of, of product validation before you actually make a product. And I just think there's so much wisdom and so much stress to be saved by that. And Pickfu's, having used it myself, a really useful, easy tool for that and, and lots more use cases than I thought of. So thank you so much for taking us through that. And uh, I hope everyone's going to go and at least check it out. Pickfu. So it's P-I-C-K-F-U.com. Is that right? That's right. right. Amazing. Thanks, Justin. We'll talk about international expansion later, but for now, thanks so much for coming on the show. Fantastic stuff. Yeah. Thanks for having me. If you would like resources and links and other help to do with today's episode, just go to amazingfba.com forward slash 452. Thanks for listening to the 10K Collective podcast for six and seven figure Amazon sellers. I really hope you found the show helpful to you. Please don't forget to subscribe to the show. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, please do leave us a quick star rating. It will take you all of 30 seconds to do it, but it does mean we can be found by and help many more e-commerce business builders. I wish you fast and profitable scaling, and I hope you enjoy the process of building your seven-figure Amazon business. Thanks very much for listening.